0: Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News.
1: And I'm Callan Walker. Today on the show, it's a busy day on the GM beat. Buyouts pushed the automaker's net income down. It has a new partner for a $3 billion EV battery plant. And the Chevy Bolt EV is coming to the end of the line. Plus, We got a big series in automotive news this week on EV charging. Our own Hannah Lutz talks about the biggest challenges now and moving forward.
2: For the automakers, this isn't their area, really. They've never been involved with gas stations, but they're getting very involved with charging because EVs are new. They want their customers to be confident that when they buy an EV, they will have somewhere to charge.
1: Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Buyout payments to thousands of
0: salaried employees and some Buick dealers had a big impact on General Motors' first quarter earnings. Net income was down 19% to $2.4 billion. Revenue rose 11% in the quarter that ended March 31st. GM's adjusted earnings before interest in taxes fell 6% to $3.8 billion, as its North America pre-tax profit rose 14% to $3.6 billion. CFO Paul Jacobson and CEO Mary Barra both referred to the results as strong, during GM's first quarter earnings call today.
2: Once again, we delivered strong earnings, and I appreciate the efforts of everyone involved, including the GM team, our dealers, our suppliers, our unions, that all helped us meet strong customer demand for our products.
0: GM took an $875 million charge for employee buyouts during the first quarter. It also reported a $99 million first quarter
1: charge for Buick dealers, who voluntarily gave up their franchise. GM and Samsung SDI say they'll invest over $3 billion to build a joint venture electric vehicle battery manufacturing plant in the U.S. Targeted to start in 2026, the companies expect the plant to have an annual production capacity of 30 gigawatt hours. The company said the location of the planned JV plant is not yet decided. GM, like other automakers, is looking to diversify its battery supply chain and secure capacity of components to support its electrification goals as it attempts to catch up with Tesla. Meanwhile, GM says it
0: will discontinue the Chevy Bolt EV at the end of this year as it focuses on its new generation of electric vehicles. The automaker plans to build electric versions of the Chevy Silverado and GMC Sierra at the Bolt plant in Orion Township, Michigan. CEO Mary Barra said during today's earnings call that employment at the plant will triple in 2024 when it reopens after a $4 billion overhaul.
2: We'll need this capacity because our trucks more than measure up to our customers' expectation, and we'll demonstrate that work and EV range are not mutually exclusive terms for Chevrolet and GMC trucks. So stay tuned.
0: The Bolt was introduced in 2016. It uses GM's previous generation battery technology, The Silverado, Sierra, and other upcoming EVs are built on the
1: Ultium battery platform that allows for greater range and power. And Hyundai says its first quarter net profit more than doubled. It reported a net profit of $2.5 billion in the first quarter. Hyundai says the boost in profits is thanks to a rise in vehicle output as a global chip shortage eased and demand for its high-margin crossovers remained strong. Revenue rose 25% in the period, while the automaker's gross margin was more than 20%. That's ahead of the 18% the market was looking for. The operating profit margin hit 9.5% in the quarter. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, GM and Samsung SDI plan to invest in the battery plant. When deals like this happen, don't they usually announce a location? Yes, they do. It's
0: very unusual because when you're building a plant, you have to buy the land, and that's an important component. It's hard to know exactly what the costs are going to be without that. It looks to me like they're shopping around, maybe still trying to decide where to put it, and probably trying to get states and municipalities to offer tax credits. Uh, we reported earlier, you know, there's a county in Indiana that offered tax abatements for GM, but the plant they really need to serve with its next battery plant, is in Ramos Arizpe, Mexico, right across the border from Texas. So shipping heavy batteries from Indiana all the way to Mexico really is a cost disadvantage. We'll see you know, what Indiana is willing to offer versus what Texas is willing to offer. Maybe Louisiana or even Oklahoma could get in the mix. So we'll see. It's, uh, it's interesting times, and there, it sounds like there's uh, a lot left to be decided.
1: It's interesting to see how that will shake out uh, coming up. While automakers go all in on EVs, charging remains a big question mark. We'll hear about the challenges and possible solutions next on Daily Drive.
0: Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The United States faces a charging challenge. The Biden administration set a goal for zero emission vehicles to make up half of new vehicle sales by 2030. That initiative includes building 500,000 charging sites by then. That's about a tenfold increase from today. We're talking about building an entire public charging infrastructure largely from scratch. It's a time-consuming and complicated process that requires coordination and investment across all sectors. Our own Hannah Lutz spearheaded a series of reports on the issue for us in this week's edition of Automotive News. I reached her at her home office in Michigan. Hannah Lutz, welcome back to Daily Drive.
2: Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me.
0: So you worked on a really big package we had in this week's paper and, of course, uh, displayed beautifully online on autonews.com. Looking at public charging, the charging networks, why why is this such a big issue and, and how big of a challenge is it for the whole economy?
2: It's a huge challenge because it requires so much involvement across multiple industries. You have automakers getting involved. Um, the charging companies, the charging uh, network operators. You have the utility companies who need to supply and expand electricity to make this happen. And then retailers and restaurants want chargers on on their sites. And there are even other stakeholders that there's a long list. it's It's too long to go over each of them. So there are many groups involved with this. And the pressure is really on because the EPA proposal, if passed, will be the strictest ever emission standard. And then the Biden administration has a goal to make new vehicle sales, light new vehicle sales, zero emission, half of the fleet by 2030.
0: So, you know, a lot of people who've been buying EVs, they get a charger at home and they store their car in their garage. The thing about public networks, right, it's really it's about allowing for longer distance travel and for people who don't have their own garage, apartment dwellers and and folks like that. Right. Is that sort of the. That's where to get to that half of the market or beyond, you know, 8 million, 10 million vehicles a year, we need more than just people's garages.
2: Exactly. So today, most EV owners charge at home. They have home chargers. And, you know, many EV buyers in the future will also install home chargers. That can't be the case for everyone for various reasons. If you live in um, an apartment complex, for example... So the public chargers are really important so that everybody has a charging option. The DC fast chargers that you mentioned are the use cases is is longer distance travel where you do deplete most of your charge and you need to to fill up. The level two chargers are typically at the workplace or out when you're doing errands. If you're eating at a restaurant or going shopping, you can kind of top off at um, a level two charger. So it's really not an apples to apples comparison with gas stations. It's not something where you are out and about and and refill your whole tank in five minutes like what we're used to. You can top off in a few minutes or for level three for the fast charging, um, you might have to stop for for 30 minutes to, to recharge your vehicle.
0: For a consumer, for someone who's bought an EV, where are they most likely to find those level three, the fast chargers? where they can go from, you know, to whatever, 20% to 80% in 20 or 30 minutes?
2: They are mostly along highway corridors. And there's there's a pretty significant gap in, in the geography of where they're located. For example, last time I checked, which um, was pretty recently, California had 14,000. I think that was level two and level three. And then some areas in uh, the central and other Western states in the U.S. had less than 100 in the state. So they're there are some disparities geographically, but with the investment by the government and as EV sales continue to increase, so will the, the chargers.
0: I feel like we can't talk about EVs without talking about Tesla. Uh, it's been, you know, it leads the market, of course, and it's really also leading the way in charging, isn't it?
2: It is. So Tesla is so unique because it has its own um, charging network and they can use the the data that they know when they have about their customers to decide where to put these chargers and they know everything about their their vehicles and the software. So connecting their vehicles to their chargers is much simpler than it is for another brand vehicle to connect to like a charge point charger, for example. So their rollout has been very smooth. Their, their chargers are much more reliable than than others because they have, you know, that all encompassing network and relationship. So they're going to open part of their network to cars of other brands, and we'll see how that compatibility goes. But they really paved the way and are a good example for for others to follow.
0: Should we expect other automakers to build out their own charging networks?
2: Not in the same way that Tesla has. Well, Rivian has a similar model to Tesla now. They're just ramping up. The legacy automakers won't have the exact same uh, model as Tesla, but GM, for example, is partnering with um, EVgo on their Ultium network. So those will be EVgo chargers with Ultium branding. Uh, Mercedes-Benz has a similar relationship with with ChargePoint.
0: So the automakers are partnering with the uh, charging companies. GMS has a partnership with its dealers uh, for, you know, community, they think they call it community charging. How is that supposed to work and what kind of progress are we seeing?
2: So GM has a very large dealer dealership footprint in the U.S., and their dealers are really all across the country in rural and suburban areas as well as cities. And in those rural areas is where it's you know taken longer for charging stations to be installed or to be utilized. So they're using their dealer network to the dealers will kind of tell GM where they think the chargers would be best used where they should be installed within their communities. They'll be level two. So those like top off chargers Um, and GM feels that this will give them um, a a bigger scope within the U.S. They they will make charging more available to their customers. And that really is the key for the automakers. The reason they're getting so involved with this. And I mean, this isn't their area, really. They've never been involved with gas stations, but they're they're getting very involved with charging because EVs are new and they want to They want their customers to be confident that when they buy an EV, they will have somewhere to charge.
0: You mentioned reliability regarding the Tesla network. I wonder about the community chargers in particular and even the other partnerships. I guess if you're partnering with an EVGO, does EVGO maintain the assets? Do they uh, make sure that they're working? And with the community one, Who's responsible for that? Who owns the data or who who knows when the thing is working? Uh, You've written before about the importance of reliability and that chargers actually work when people need them.
2: Right. So the charging network operators still maintain the chargers and have that data. But that that was a really big question that I wanted to ask the automakers. I mean, if we can't count on these chargers, why would you even partner with them? That, That was my question because J.D. Power said last year, one in five charging attempts failed. So how can you move forward knowing that? And I asked GM in particular, and they said, that's not going to happen because we are so closely involved with this. We are going to ensure reliability. I don't have the details on how they're doing that, but I think they have, they did tell me they have a very specific protocol to ensure that the chargers work. And separately, I talked with the top three charging companies, Evigo, Electroprimerica, and ChargePoint, and each of them said that they have programs, um, out this year to drastically improve reliability. the executive from ChargePoint point that I spoke with he said, I think it was the experience of yesterday will be completely different than the experience of, of tomorrow so we'll we'll see <laughs> that's true
0: It's good to hear the companies all kind of trying to take ownership of the problem and present solutions rather than uh, just finger pointing and saying it's someone else's someone else's job. But speaking of someone else's job, What is the role of the federal government in this? There's a a fair amount of support for building out the National Charging Network.
2: Yes, there's a lot of funding, and the Biden administration wants to get 500,000 charging stations installed by 2030. So that's a big order, and they have put the, the funding behind it to do so. And with that, there are some standards on reliability and uptime. Um it has to be above 97% for these companies to to get the funding. So yeah, there's a lot of government backing behind this, but there's also a lot from the private sector that we can't forget about. It's not just going to be driven by the public sector. There There's a lot of stakeholders on the private side that are really invested in this and, and want to get it going maybe faster than the public side.
0: You've mentioned a handful of large charging network operators. What's the, What does the overall landscape of that market look like?
2: Well, we know of the the big players and, you know, several smaller, but this was new to me. One of my data sources says there are 62 charging networks in the US. So, a very large and fragmented market. I can only assume that once EVs gain even more traction and and people are more comfortable with charging, that there will be some consolidation in the market, but for now, 62 charging networks a huge huge number.
0: Very interesting. Uh, This is something that's going to continue to evolve. We're still in such the early days of EV adoption, but uh, definitely an interesting and important part of our economy and our transportation system moving forward. Anna Lutz covers the ecosystem of electrification for Automotive News. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jamie. You can find all of our reporting on these EV charging challenges in this week's print edition of Automotive News or at autonews.com. And come back tomorrow at noon Eastern time for a live interactive discussion on LinkedIn and Facebook about the EV tax credits one week after the federal government narrowed the list of which vehicles qualify for the full $7,500 credits. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie
1: Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to automotive news coordinating producer Jake Near, as well as our own Lindsey Van Hulley and Nick Bunkley for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on EV charging, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and
0: subscribe so you never miss an episode.